Well, I'm glad to know that truth going into a new year, aren't you? And now that we've moved past Christmas time and we've got our eyes and our hearts focused on a new year, I want to preach to us this morning how we can be New Year strong. I want us to understand this. There's nothing magical about the date of January 1st. How many of you come to realize that? We always put so much hope. We pin so much of our hope about our lives and things on the changing over of a new year. How many, how many times have we said to ourselves, oh, just wait till next year? Remember when you said that in 2019? <laughs> right? Just wait till next year. Oh, when, when, when the first year comes around, that's when I'm going to do this. That's when this is going to happen. And a lot of times we gauge our life based upon that changing over of a new year. And while there's nothing magical about that, there's something real about time. There's something real about the measuring time and the understanding of time and the diminishing of time. There's something real about taking those marks of time and using them to evaluate our lives and see what we've done with our time, see how we've used our time, see how that time has impacted us. How many, how many of you have looked in a mirror lately? Like I have and seen how time's impacted you a little bit. I remember when we first moved here, there were some people that had come over to our home. I think the movers actually were putting stuff in our home and we had a picture up on the wall and uh, they were looking at pictures of, of me about five years ago and then they looked over at me now and five years ago and now. Like, is this you? I'm like, yes. And here's what this mover said. He said, whoa. I'm like, you don't want a tip, do you? We gauge this passing of time. And for many of us, it prompts us as we come to the end of a year and the beginning of a new year to set these things up called New Year's resolutions. How many have ever made a New Year's resolution before? You know, like I'm going to stop eating the junk food and start eating the healthy food. Yeah, right. <laughs> or this is the year I'm going to get in shape. Or this is the year I'm going to do this with my finances. Or this is the year I'm going to do this, that, or the other thing. And we do that in a response of evaluating our time and our lives. And, and those resolutions may be good things and, and those resolutions may be hopeful things, but they aren't always things that necessarily we can bring about in and of ourselves. Probably one of the clearest and most, I don't know, remarkable evaluations of time is found in Scripture in the book of James. As the writer James says this, our life is like a vapor. It appears for a very little time and then it vanishes away. We evaluate these things based on time. Now, this morning as we dig into the message, we're not going to give you a list of resolutions to perform, but we're going to look at a list of things that God is and what he's commanded us and what he's declared to us so that we can go into the new year, maybe not with a list of things to do, but with an understanding of the fact that God is still on the throne and that he wants to accomplish wonderful things through our lives. So this morning, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. We're going to be looking at verses 57 and 58 right at the end of the chapter this morning. And when you found your place there, if you're physically able to stand, I'm going to invite you to stand along with me out of respect for the reading of God's word. Verse number 57 
But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's pray and ask God to help us out with this passage this morning. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for your goodness and your grace and your truth. And we're thankful for these declarations concerning your gospel, concerning the promise and the hope that we have in you. Lord, I pray this morning that we're not pinning our hopes and our dreams to some date, but that, God, we're getting to know who you are and what you've promised us and what you've declared to us, and that, Lord, we would live out of that strength this year. Lord, we know we are frail. We know we are weak. We know that our faith many times fails, but, God, you never fail. So may we be New Year's strong in you, knowing who you are, and what you've given to us. So Lord, help us to set our mind and set our heart on you this morning. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, as you are evaluating 2020 and as you are thinking about 2021, I want us to do so in the mindset not of hopelessness and despair, not of charting our minds and hearts along with the news or whether this development has taken place or whether that development has taken place. But I want us for a moment to pull ourselves out of some of the mess that we've seen this year and place ourselves firmly in the Word of God. And I want us to look very clearly at this upcoming year through the promises of God, through who He's declared Himself to be and what He's given to us in the gospel. And the first thing I want us to see from these couple of verses this morning is I want us to see the importance of gospel victory of gospel victory. You know, I think for many of us, we've experienced some what we would call defeats in this year. We have experienced a very strange year, a very difficult year, a year of uncertainty, a year of loss, a year of difficulty in many, many ways. And if we're not careful, we'll allow that to temper our heart and tune our heart to expect and embrace Nothing but despair as we go into next year. But, but I want us to know something. I want us to know something very firmly today, right now. Our God has been faithful to us in 2020. He has. He's still on the throne. He's still provided for our needs. And how many of you are glad if you know him, his salvation holds firm? His salvation holds firm. Now, as we look at this new year, as we look at strengthening our mind and our heart for this new year, I want us to see that we live in gospel victory. We don't have time to look at it this morning, but this whole chapter of Scripture, all of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, is essentially the Apostle Paul declaring to this church at Corinth the gospel. He proclaims the gospel, he rehearses the gospel, he defends the gospel, and he shows the fruit of the gospel. And that really should make up the sum of our life as a Christian. Our life should simply be this. It should be an outflowing of the gospel that we have received. That's what our life should be as a believer. Notice how Paul opens this letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 15. Look there with me just for a moment this morning. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, 
which also you have received, and notice this, wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. By the way, that is the gospel. By the way, that is the good news. It is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ for you and for me. That's the gospel. That's the truth of the transformation that can take place in our life when we know him personally as our Lord and Savior. Notice as we continue on here, this gospel was testified to. Verse 5 and Jesus was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep or have passed away. He said, this gospel has been delivered to you. This gospel has been received by you. You're standing in it. You're living in it. And by the way, it's testified to. It's not a legend. It's not a fairy tale. People have witnessed the risen Savior. In fact, there are 500 who saw him all at one time in one place. They verified he had risen again. And Paul was even saying this to the church at the time. And many of them are still alive if you want to check up on it with them. That's how certain the gospel was. That's how certain this truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is. And Paul is leveraging that with this church who had experienced a lot of damage and a lot of difficulty as a church. This church at Corinth was not healthy when Paul was writing this letter. This church was full of division. People were fighting with each other in the church. This church had experienced open sin that had been swept under the rug. This church was abusive of the spiritual gifts to be used for their own pride and their own arrogance instead of to glorify God. This church was even abusing the ordinances of the Lord's table and baptism. They were using these to prop themselves up and to lift themselves up instead of to lift the Lord Jesus Christ up. It was a church that was damaged. It was a church that was in discord. It was a church that was despairing. And Paul knew this, for a church that was struggling, they needed to refocus themselves on the gospel. And can I tell you, Christian, whenever you're struggling, don't look to CNN to, to, to lift your heart and your spirit. Don't look to Fox to lift your heart and spirit. Don't look to ABC or NBC or the newspaper to lift your spirit. We have to get refocused again on the gospel. We've got to get refocused again on who God is, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And out of that, the Apostle Paul shares with us that we have great victory. Now notice with me verse number 57, our text verses again. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in the context of what Paul is talking to us about is he mentions in the previous verses this aspect of death. How many of you know we're all going to die if the Lord tarries? Thank you, Pastor, for this very encouraging sermon. Appreciate you. We're all going to die. That's a statistic that none of us can get away from. Ten out of ten people die. It's going to happen. And this is the thing. If we know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we no longer look at death as a great failure. We no longer look at death as our great demise. 
We look at it through the lens of gospel victory. How do we as a Christian perceive death? Well, this is how we should perceive death. The Bible tells us this through the writer, the Apostle Paul, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What a great truth that is. For you and me, if you know Christ as your Savior, if I know Christ as my Savior, when we die, we are immediately in heaven with God. What a blessed truth that is for us to know. You see, we have great victory. You know, it seems like 2020 has been full of great defeat. And I think a lot of the reason why it's been full of this understanding of great defeat is because people have been focused on the mortal instead of being focused on the immortal. People have been focused on the corruptible instead of being focused on that which is incorruptible. And even Christians have gotten a mindset of being fearful and afraid of their own lives instead of living in the victory of knowing that if I die, the worst thing that can happen to me is I'm with Jesus. And how many to you that sounds pretty good right about now? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But if we are not looking at things from a gospel perspective and all we have to live for is what we see around us right now, then we're going to have a very temporal, very materialistic, very difficult viewpoint of life. And many times it's going to lead to a defeatist attitude instead to an understanding that we should be living in victory as a Christian. I think it's worth taking the time just to read descriptively about this victory this morning. I'm going to back up to verse number 51 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Notice with me as I read these verses. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Notice this, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The death of, uh, the death of sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, and notice this, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you and I, Christian, we have nothing but victory to look forward to. We should not be walking around glum and despondent, hunkering ourselves down, waiting to die. No, 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 no. We should be living in victory. See, pastor, aren't you watching the news? Don't you know what's going on out there? Don't you know about this? How many of you understand this morning? We all know about what's going on out there. We all get it. We all know there's some dangerous things that are possibly happening, things. People are getting sick. People have died. We know all that. We know wash your hands. We know be careful when you go places. We know this. But one thing we forgot about as believers is we have victory today. And we shouldn't be living in a mindset that we're allowing this world to beat us up and to stop us from living for Jesus. We need to gain back this perspective of victory through Jesus again. We have victory in him. It's gospel victory. 
We need to get our minds and hearts and eyes off of the temporal, and we need to turn them back toward the eternal again. Not only in our passage is Paul encouraging and instructing this church about gospel victory, but he's also encouraging them and instructing them concerning gospel tenacity. Not only do we need to live victoriously concerning the gospel, but we need to be tenacious concerning the gospel. Notice how Paul illustrates that here in verse number 58. He says this, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Now, when he says be steadfast here, he's speaking from a mental capacity to retain that which we've been given. He says, be tenacious concerning your faith. Be tenacious concerning what you know about Scripture. Be tenacious concerning what you know about God. Be tenacious concerning your faith and what you know to be true. He's saying, hold on to it. Hold firm to it. He began the chapter this way. Notice back with me again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And look with me again at verse number 2. He says, by which also ye are saved, speaking of the gospel, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. What is Paul saying? He's saying, keep the truth in your memory. Don't let things knock it out of your memory. Don't allow your mind to be corrupted and polluted. Don't allow the truth to be displaced from what you know about God and who he is and what he's done for you. Hey, listen. I'm just going to be honest with you. If you're a Christian and you're sitting down watching TV 24-7, flipping through CNN, flipping through Fox, flipping through ABC, flipping through NBC, and you're just filling your mind and your heart up with everything that's being put out there, let me just say it's going to affect your outlook concerning you being steadfast. It's going to start to replace what you know about God. It's going to start to replace what you believe about what he's called you to do. It's going to start to push out the truth that our God is able, that our God is on the throne, that he's in charge of even the moment that we go to be with him. And it's going to push all of that out of your mind. And it's going to push all of that out of your heart. And what I'm seeing happen all across our nation today are believers and Christians who know, who've heard, who've received, but they're forgetting because they're allowing their faith to be replaced with doubt. They're allowing their faith to be replaced with fear. And they're gobbling down all of these things that are being given to them in this world instead of keeping their eyes on Jesus and trusting who he is. You see, we need to be living with an understanding of being steadfast in what we know about God. Now, listen, I understand we live in a sensitive time. We've had friends, loved ones, people get sick. We've had people go home to be with the Lord. We understand I'm not advocating recklessness. I'm not saying there aren't moments for caution. I, as a pastor, have had many conversations with people, even watching at home, who've recently had surgery, have major health issues, all kinds of difficulty. And I'm saying, be cautious and be wise, but also don't forget who your God is. Because this is what's happening right now. People are at home and they're disconnected from their church and they're tired of hearing the news and they're gobbling up all this stuff and they're dejected and alone. Listen, I had a great aunt die this week in a nursing home 
from COVID and nobody could go in and see her. Nobody could go in and pray with her. Nobody could go in and be with her. Nobody could go in and minister to her. And what we're doing is we're locking down everybody and everything. And we're even trying to lock up God in a box. I'm still saying this morning, our God is able. And you know, a lot of times we're being forced in this box where we think we're helping people, but all we're doing is helping them forget about God. We're helping them forget about their Savior. We're helping them forget that He is able. Yes, be cautious. Yes, be careful. Yes, don't be reckless, but don't forget who your God is. Don't forget who He is. Be steadfast. He uses this other word, unmovable. Be unmovable. This is like a wrestler taking up a position, ready to grapple. He's not going to give up his ground. He's firm. He's planted. He's standing still. He's headed in the same direction. You can't throw him off course. Be unmovable. And yet we've seen in our world this year, we've seen people flee and run and hide and do all these types of things and disconnect from family and from friends and from church and from all of these things. And and yes, again, and I know the emails are coming and I'll address every single one of them with love you, sign Pastor Leversey. Because I love you and I pray for you. I go through the list of our directory. I call those that are sick. I try to even visit people in person where I'm allowed to, to try to do that. I care for our church family. I care for my family. I care for our friends. I care for our community. I love all the people that are here, but I also love my God and I know I know that we can't be put in a spot where we're forgetting about who he is and what he's able to do. We need to tenaciously hold to our faith. We need to, in victory, tenaciously stand our ground. We need to not be moved away from that which God has given us to know about him and to serve him and to connect with him and to walk with him and to trust him. We see a gospel tenacity. He says, therefore, in light of the victory, in light of the eternal life that you have in him, be steadfast, be unmovable. Notice as we continue here, we see that if we are going to have strength in this new year, we need to also understand what gospel living is. We've seen gospel victory. We've seen gospel tenacity, but let's look at gospel living. How does God expect us to live? How does he expect us to be the Christians we're called to be even during difficult times? Well, notice with me, if you would, verse number 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, and notice this, always abounding in the work of the Lord. That's what he's called us to do. We're to always abound in the work of the Lord. We're not to give up serving him. We're not to run away from his callings. We're not to disconnect from his his direction and his purpose for our lives. We are to abound in living for him. We are to abound in serving him. Here, this word in the Greek for abound means to overflow. It means to superabound. It means that our service for him cannot be contained. It cannot be locked down. Hey, you know, it even means more when we understand the human author that penned these words. Of course, the Holy Spirit 
of God divinely inspired these words, but the Apostle Paul humanly penned these words. And we know some things about the Apostle Paul's ministry. It was rough. It was not a safe ministry. Every town and every city that the Apostle Paul went into, somebody was throwing rocks at him. He was being beaten. He was being thrown into prison. He was being left for dead. He was being let down by baskets over a wall. Everywhere he went, he was endangering his life for the purposes of the gospel. Hey, let me just tell you something. Christianity is a contact sport. It's not sit back and watch and do nothing. Christianity gets involved. Christianity runs to the front lines. Christianity runs to the place of difficulty. Christianity goes to the towns and cities that need the gospel. Christianity goes to the places of the world where there are heathens and where there are cannibals and where there are people who are without the light of the gospel. Christianity goes to the places where it risks our life. Why? Because we already know we have eternal life in him. We already know that we have the gift of eternal life. And, and what a Christian used to be is a Christian used to be a person that said, Lord, here's my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. My hands and my feet and my eyes and my ears and even my big ugly toe is yours, God, if you want it. And you can have it. And I'll use it for you. No matter the cost. No matter the difficulty. No matter the danger. Hey, hey, listen, how many of you understand? I know this because we had kids. And how many of you had little kids and you tried, to, you tried to bubble wrap your home when you had babies? Right? And you're covering all the sharp corners and you're doing this, that, and the other thing. And you're like, you covered up all the lights. I got so tired of covering up the light sockets. Every once in a while, I help my wife vacuum. And to go around and try to, how many of you know some of those light sock plugs, those, those things that cover them? Those are hard to get out. I remember one time trying to go and get one of those things out and I broke one of my nails back and I'm like, you know what? She's just going to have to learn what electricity is all about. (laughs) And she won't stick that in there anymore. (laughs) And you know, as much as we did, as much as we did, there were still stitches. There were still bumps and bruises. And there were still times that we went to the ER. And there were times that we went to the hospital. And there were times that life happened. And I want you to know we live in a sinful, broken world. Disease is not going away. Wars are not going away. Economic distress is not going away. All these things have been here. They were there when Paul was here. Paul went through it. Paul saw it. The disciples went through it. The disciples saw it. Christians all throughout church history have been faithful to God during pestilence and famine and wars and all kinds of things. And this is what I want to be as a believer. I want to be someone who abounds in serving the Lord. I want to, in what little time we have left on this earth, I want it to be invested in eternity and not wrapped up in reacting and responding to every little physical thing that happens here on earth. Again, I know I'll probably get some emails. Hey, pastor, this is serious. This is severe. I know this. I've had a mother-in-law in the hospital. I've had, we've had church people in the hospital. We've had people go to be with the Lord. We understand that there are things out there that we need to pay attention to. 
But I want, as your pastor, to let you know this. We can't forget who our God is. We can't forget that he is able. We can't forget that there's still work to do. We can't forget that there's still people who need Jesus and who's going to tell them about him if we're all locked in dungeons in our houses. And so we need to superabound in the grace of God in ministering to our families and our neighbors and our community and each other. That's what the Bible says. Written in very difficult times, in very uncertain circumstances, to believers who are going through far more than we will ever go through, probably maybe even our lifetime, though we're seeing it escalate year after year after year. We see that we're to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Say, Pastor, but, you know, we could be doing church or we could be ministering, we're doing these things and somebody could catch something. Yeah, you know what else could happen? 25 people could get saved during a pandemic, as we've seen happen here at Fellowship Baptist Church. You know what else can happen? 18 people could get baptized during a pandemic like we've seen happen here at Fellowship Baptist Church. How many of you still want to see people getting saved and baptized? How many of you want to see people coming to a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? We are to abound in our service for the Lord. I've been talking to a lot of believers lately in preparation for this new year, a lot of pastors all over the country, a lot of Christian friends and people that I know Elderly, health complications, all kinds of things. And this is, this is the thing I'm getting back from many people. And I'm just, I'm just relaying to you my conversations. Many of them, good, good believers, love the Lord. And they're saying this, hey, we're being careful. We're, we're, we're watching what we do as best as we can. But this is what they're saying. In the few years I have left here on earth, there's nothing that's gonna keep me away from serving my God. If I can't, go and sing with my church people, if I can't go and minister to this Sunday school class, if I can't go and do these types of things, and I can't freely make that decision out of my own heart for what the Holy Spirit's leading me to do right now, then I just hope the trumpet blows. Listen, how many of you understand we've been put here for a purpose, folks? And if you're a believer, you've been put here to point other people to Jesus. And listen, I want to do that in life or even if I have to face down death. I want to be faithful to my God until he comes. Yeah, be safe, be cautious, use common sense, pray a lot, let the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in decisions that you make, but don't disconnect from your calling and don't disconnect from your God. He is able. We have victory in him. We have victory in him. And gospel living is abundant living. Gospel living is abundant serving. Lastly, and we'll be done this morning, we see gospel priority. Why do we do this? Why do we do this when there's a pandemic? Why do we do this when there's not a pandemic? Why do we do this in 2020? Why do we serve God going into 2021? Why in the world do we do this at all? How many of you know there are pains and problems with serving God even when there isn't a pandemic going on? There are frustrations and difficulties even when there isn't sickness that's prevalent out there. There are heartaches and hardships that happen in serving God even when there isn't these things that are going on. Why do we do it? 
Well, Paul closes this chapter to the church at Corinth with the understanding of why we serve him, with the understanding of why we're obedient to him, with the understanding of why we worship him. And this is what he says. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says the reason why we do this the reason why we have gospel victory and the reason why we have gospel tenacity and the reason why we have gospel living and the reason why we do this, whether there's sword or pestilence or fear, or whatever, the reason why we do this is because what we do for eternity actually matters. What we do for God will actually last. What we do for God will never pass away. Now, how many of you this morning, like your house. But how many of you know, one day it's going to fall down. It's going to go away. Why? Because it's vanity. It serves a purpose for now, but it's not going to last for all eternity. It's going to go away. How many of you like your car? Sometimes. But how many of you, it's already showing you, it's not going to be around forever. I've got this minivan. And the sliding door on it opens about 20% of the time. Very frustrating. I was just talking about it this morning with Pastor Caleb as I was watching him work on his van. I was kind of laughing at him a little bit saying, yeah, I know your pain, brother. Notice I didn't go over to help him <laughs> because it was cold. But, but I, it won't open. The door won't open. About 20% of the time it'll open. And then it pops and it judders and freezes up. You know, it's very inconvenient when you're walking out from the grocery store and you've got uh, arms full of groceries and you've got, you know, a little Eden in your arm and you just, you just want to pop that door open and let it open up and then it, it freezes in place. Man, I, I, I put that down. We, we drive a, a Honda minivan. Nothing gets Honda like Honda cars, but I put, I put little Eden down, you know. Every time I put her down, put the groceries down to try to fix that car door, she looks at me and goes, should have bought a Toyota. They don't last. All of those things that we think are so important that we want to protect, that we don't, hey, your health isn't going to last. Your body's not going to last. How many are glad in this very passage we're promised a new body? One day we're going to see him and our bodies will be new. Everything here on earth is temporal. So why do we do what we do? Why do we stay consistent? Why do we continue? Why do we stay faithful? Why do we persevere? We do it because it's not in vain in the Lord. Because what is done for Christ matters. What is done for God will last for all eternity. And I don't know about you, I certainly want to lay up some treasure in heaven. If, if, if we're, and I believe we are, if we're soon to see the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to be look, looking at him in his eyes and have him say to me, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You stayed faithful, you stayed steadfast, you walked in victory and not in defeat. You understood what gospel living was and you abounded in your serving of me. I want to be steadfast in those things. I want us as we consider this new year to consider being new year strong, not in ourselves. Hey, we all carry with us fears and difficulties and discouragements and disappointments. But I want us to view this next year through a gospel lens, understanding that our victory is in him. I want us to be mindful of some of the prophecy that we see in scripture. 
The Bible tells us that before Jesus comes, regarding the church, there's going to be a great falling away. A great falling away, a great apostasy that's going to seep in. And I think we've already started to see that happen as, as we've seen uh, compromise and difficulty work its way into the church and pulpits are being silenced about truth. And, and we've seen this already take place even in the United States of America. But just imagine this. Imagine if everybody perpetually stays locked up in their homes, never gets around other people, never voices the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Churches begin to constantly dwindle. People aren't coming back into congregations. People are just at home flipping on whoever they want to listen to, just looking and searching for comfort. Guess what a tool that is for false doctrine and false teaching and false preaching to start capturing the hearts and minds of people all over the world. We need church. I got so, so sick of this essential word that's been floated out there. During the year, how many of you got sick of just hearing about how what's essential and what's not essential? Can I just say this? Every person that's obeying God, going out, earning a living, trying to bring food home to their family, they're essential people. And every Christian who wants to come to the house of God and worship God and pray for their family and pray for their communities and pray for the people that are around them that don't know Jesus to get saved, how many understand church is essential today? I believe that church is essential. I think churches need to open up their doors. I think they need to get going for God. I think we need to be living for God in these last days. I think we need to stop walking in fear and we need to walk in faith. Yes, I know email, 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 email. We'll be cautious. And we understand. And I'm not insensitive to this. I, I've, I've had great pain and, and, and agony in my own heart about losses that we've seen and people who've been sick. And, and I do that for the people who have cancer in our church right now. And I do that for the people who have heart issues in our church right now. Do you realize there are people dying of things other than COVID too? And they're hurting and they're getting ignored a lot of times. Because they're not, nobody can see past this thing that's eclipsing everybody's mind and everybody's heart to what's real. Yes, we'll be careful. Yes, we'll be cautious. Yes, we'll prefer others above ourselves. Yes, we'll do all these things. But don't stop living for God. Don't forget about who he is. Say, Pastor, well, you could catch COVID and you could die. You know, people, I, I've been thankful for the graciousness of our, of our church. Hey, Pastor, we're glad you and your family hasn't gotten it yet. We're glad that you've stayed healthy. Thank you for your prayers. But can I just tell you something? If I catch COVID and go be home with the Lord, I will be where God wants me to be. And guess what? I have done that by serving him and living life. And being a witness, an example, and, 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 and trying to minister as best as I can minister during this time. And listen, I'm not trying to sway anybody's mind or emotions. I'm not trying to discount anything that's gone on in people's lives. I'm not diminishing pain and anguish that people feel right now for the losses that they've experienced. I'm simply saying this. If we're not careful, we will slip into apostasy because we'll stop doing what God has called us to do. Be cautious. Be safe, but be understanding that we have victory in the Lord. That there's a lot of work to be done for him. And that we in 2021 need to be about the business of serving our great God and making him known. Do you know I love you this morning? I love you this morning. I'm not trying to be harsh or hard about any of this stuff. I just want you to know we have a great God. How many believe we have a great God this morning? How many believe he's still able? How many believe he already knew this was coming before it even got here? How many of you believe he already knows what's gonna happen in 2021 even though it's not here yet? Let's trust that God. Hey, if there's one thing that I've learned in 2020, it's that nobody knows anything. (laughs) 
No, like for reals. And we're listening to a lot of people who don't know anything. So guess what? I'm going to listen to the one who knows all things. And I'm going to do what he's called me to do as faithfully as I can do it. Going into this year where I think people need Jesus and they know they need Jesus more than they've ever known it. And I'm not going to sit on my can. Can I say that in church? Can? That's okay, right? (laughs) He's going off script. I'm not going to just sit down and not get the gospel to people when they need it the most. People know the frailty of life right now. They're sensitive right now. They know they need Jesus right now. And we've got to be the ones that take it to them, even if it costs us some things. Because how many of you understand, this is all still real, this whole heaven and hell and death and Jesus and him rising again, it's all still real. That didn't go away just because we've hit hard times. In fact, now we need to lift him up even more. And I hope we see a wonderful harvest of souls coming to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior this next year. Let's all stand this morning. I gotta shut this down before I say more stuff. (laughs) Let's all stand with their heads bowed and eyes closed, no one looking around. Maybe this morning you're here and say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. There's not been a time that I personally recognize that I'm a sinner before God and that I've gone to him in humility and confessed my sin and asked him to forgive me and to cleanse me. Or maybe you're a good person. You've tried to be a good person. You go to church, you do all these religious things, but religion can't save you. Good works can't save you. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have had to come from heaven to earth to die for our sins in our place so that we could be free. And he extends that gift of eternal life to us as a free gift, not something we have to work for, something we have to believe him for. So this morning, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I won't come back to you, I won't name your name. I won't recognize you publicly in any way. But I would like to pray for you that God would continue to work on your heart. Maybe this morning you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you. I'm not sure that I'm saved. I see that hand. You may put it down. Anybody else this morning? I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know for sure if I died tonight that I would be with God in heaven. Anybody else this morning? Just not sure. The Lord's working on my heart. I sense his conviction that I, I'm, I'm not where I need to be in knowing him. Listen, if you raised your hand this morning, I'm gonna pray. My prayer can't save you. But you calling on the name of the Lord can save you because he's already paid the price for your sin. The Bible tells us, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And as I pray, again, my words can't save you, but if you'd pray in your heart and call out to the Lord, he will save you this morning. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need your salvation. I believe you died for me to pay the price for my sin. Please wash my sins away. I believe you rose again to give me eternal life. Please give me your eternal life. Fill me with your spirit and indwell me. I repent of my sin, and I turn to you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I want you to know this morning, if you prayed that from your heart, calling on the Lord to save you, the Bible says that you are saved, that you know him as your personal Lord and Savior. I'd like to know about that this morning. Maybe as you exit, maybe you could let me know that you made that decision. I'd like to be able to pray for you, and I'd like to be able to get you some resources that would help you grow in the Lord.
Now, Christian, how is your outlook on this new year? Is it full of fear and dread and despair and discouragement? Or are you living in gospel victory? Are you being tenacious about the gospel in your faith? Are you living the gospel abundantly by serving him? Are you recognizing that you need to prioritize the gospel in your life? Because that which we do for Jesus lasts for eternity.